Phyllis took off her straw hat and fanned herself vigorously. "'It was unlucky that old Mrs. Tunbridge popped off so sudden. "'I've heard that Rose Hill is up for sale. "'I've been with the old lady since I left school. "'I did everything for her, and she was good to me. "'Positions like that don't come up very often. Oh, "'It won't be the sort of work you're used to, Elsie. "'But if you don't mind doing the cleaning, it'll be a big help.' "'Phyllis moved a little closer.' glancing over her shoulder, as if expecting to find eavesdroppers lurking behind the hedge. They say in the kitchen that Miss Marianne's aunt wants to see her married off as soon as possible and out the way. Elsie was in a hurry to get home, but she couldn't resist a bit of gossip that might cheer her mother up. Surely it's up to Miss Marianne's parents to look to her future. Aye, yes, but they're still in India and will be for some time. Miss Marianne's twenty-first birthday's tomorrow. And they're planning a party for her. That's as it should be, Phyllis. Oh, it's more than that, Elsie. Miss Marianne will come into her majority tomorrow, and she won't need her aunt and uncle to look after her. Not that she ever paid much attention to anything they said. But now she's coming home from that posh finishing school in Switzerland, we're expecting fireworks. Phyllis grabbed Elsie's arm, her eyes brimming with excitement. We think she might tell Mr and Mrs Winter to pack up and leave. Well, they won't like that because they got used to treating Darcy Hall as if it was theirs, and we all know that they're as poor as church mice. Elsie threw back her head and laughed. You're a terrible gossip, Phyllis. Offended, Phyllis shrugged her shoulders. It's God's honest truth. But what shall I tell Mrs Tranter? I should be looking for war work. I suppose another few days at home won't hurt, and I don't really want to go away while Ma's sick. Well, does that mean you'll help out? Oh, I'm desperate, Elsie, or I wouldn't ask. I need the money, so I'll do it. Phyllis slapped her on the back. Oh, thank God for that. I'll go back and give Mrs Tranter the good news. Can you come this afternoon? I'll try. Oh, that's the spirit. Phyllis rammed her hat on her head and hurried off in the direction of Darcy Hall, leaving Elsie to go on her way. The small bedroom in Tan Cottage was shrouded in darkness and stuffy with the sickly sweet smell of chronic illness. Flies trapped behind closed curtains buzzed and battered the window panes in their attempts to escape into the sunlight, and the bedsprings creaked with the invalid's smallest movement. Monique Mead lay propped up on pillows, her face as white as the cotton sheet that was drawn up to her neck. Dark smudges underlined her eyes, and her thin hand plucked at the counterpane as she controlled her breathing with difficulty, but she managed a smile for her daughter. Did it go well? Mrs Mason was satisfied with the result, Ma. More important, how are you? Elsie perched on the edge of the bed. Are you hungry? Monique shook her head. Not really, but I am thirsty. She began to cough and reached for a hanky. Elsie's heart sank when she saw the telltale flecks of blood. I'll get you some fresh water, and you must take your medicine. I asked Dr Hancock to call. Monique shook her head, lapsing into her native French as she did when overcome with emotion. No, chérie, no. She drew a faltering breath. We can't afford it.
Elsie laid her hand on her mother's brow and felt the heat of fever. Yes, we can. I've got some work at Darcy Hall, and Mrs. Mason gave me a tip. She liked to be generous with her husband's money. She stood up. Don't worry, Ma. Everything'll be all right, you'll see. She spoke with more conviction than she was feeling. Her mother's condition had deteriorated, and Dr. Hancock was not optimistic. Your mother ought to be admitted to a sanatorium, he had said on his last visit. But of course that was out of the question. There was no money for private treatment, and the public wards were overcrowded. Monique had a morbid fear of hospitals, and with good reason, having watched her husband's slow and painful death. Elsie's father had served under Colonel James Winter in the Boer War, and had been invalided home, but had succumbed to his wounds in a military hospital. Memories of sitting at his bedside was delightful.